Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions and provides unbiased answers. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol. I just really like it as a long term play. Uh, appreciate the show, appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. Your participation makes it unique. 888 99 This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, October 13, 2021. Appreciate you being with me. So how many times have I have you heard me warn you about volatility? I know it's been many, many times. You're probably sick of hearing about it. But you do know all you have to do is you don't have to go very hard to figure out if I'm correct or not. Just think about the last year and a half and the changes we, we've been, they've been going through. Okay? The market's volatile. And the reason why I bring this up is because if you're going to be an investor, you have to deal with the volatility. You have to understand that that's what happens. If you can't handle that volatility, if it's too much for you, in other words, you can't watch your stocks go down and up and down and up, sometimes crash, then shoot up, that volatility is going to be with us forever. Now, maybe not as much as we have seen, but it's still going to be. The market is volatile. You have to learn from it. You have to. We're living in time. We can't we can't get away from it. <coughs> Excuse me. It's essential that you maintain portfolio focus. Stay focused on your holdings. Don't give up on them just because they're going down. That's not a reason to get out. Don't get out give up on them because they're going up. Don't say, Oh, I haven't made enough money, I'm gonna get out. That's not a reason to get out either. You gotta do your fundamental analysis. You gotta figure out what's driving them, why it's being driven. And, you know, it can boil it down to very, very simple. Stocks go up when the earnings of the companies go up. They make money, stocks will go up. The problem is we don't go up exactly the same time that the earnings go up. There could be competition and the fear of the earnings in the future may not go up. There's all kinds of things that get in the way. But essentially, stocks go up because companies make money. That's it. You can handle the volatility if you understand that your company makes money and eventually the stock will go up. That's it. See, we're done. That's all you need to learn about investing. (laughs) Right. Okay. Now, on today's program and podcast, I always start with the same mission statement, independent thinking and shared success. And this means I'm going to give you the facts This means that I'm going to share with you the information I have and that the information I have is downloaded from various various data sources and I just pass it on the information. Can the information be wrong? Well, the data sources could be wrong. They could could exaggerate. They could be misinformed. There could be all kinds of things. But you deal with what we have. We use the information that we have knowing that there is a possibility it's not exactly accurate. Things change all the time. That's what makes this an interesting thing to do, in my opinion. 
So I will present the facts as, as unbiasedly as I can to you. I'm Steve Peasley. I encourage you to contact me with your financial investment questions. This is a call-in show. You get to drive the show in the direction you want. So you got to call, though. And if you never call, then you don't get to drive it anywhere, do you? You get to listen. So I would appreciate you would call. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. We live stream right now, 4 to 5 Pacific Time on investtalk.com. And, of course, we do podcasts, so we cut out all the commercial later, and it'll be right after the show, post to all the podcasts. You can listen to it then, too. But we do need your questions. You can call anytime. Leave your question in the voice bank, and we will call you. We will answer those questions. 888-99-CHAR is the number. 888-992-4278. It's, it's, it's the same number when we're live and the same number when we're not live. So let's go to the first listener line question right now. Hey, guys. I wanted to see what you guys thought of Next Era Energy, ticker NEE. All right. Thank you. Okay. Next Era Energy, Inc. goes engaged in the generation, transmission, distribution, and sale of electricity for 10 million customers in Florida. So whenever you're dealing with a utility, you know, most utilities pay a decent dividend. They're pretty darn steady. They generally grow very slowly. That's just their nature. So how about this one? Well, a couple of years ago, they made two thirty-one a share, two dollars thirty-one cents. Then this year, they're going to make two fifty-two, and next year, they're going to make two dollars seventy-four cents a share. That's what's listed. Meanwhile, their sales have been going down the last five quarters in a row. I would be concerned about that. Why are the sales going down? Most utilities had debt because they use that debt to, to improve or build more facilities. That's how they do it. Fahrenheit is 12%. It is a $80 stock and make $2.74 next year, meaning it's expensive. That's what that should tell you. It's expensive. Cash flow is very high at 4.52. And remember, utilities pay dividends. That's what you're looking at. This one pays only 1.9%, maybe because the stock has been rising consistently for a number of years, it fell to a, a COVID low of about $40 a share, and now it's 80 So I, I don't think it had a lot of room, does not have a lot of room to the upside. I would be very, very cautious, and it doesn't pay a high enough dividend to make me want to own it. So that's what I would do. I would not own this company. Not that it's a bad company, just that it doesn't have the numbers, the fundamentals that I want. My focus point today concerns a story. A study has revealed that the pandemic, the pandemic has disrupted retirement plans for 35% of Americans, depending on the situation. What I found interesting about the article was the different stratification of different groups like baby boomers and Generation X and what their retirement expectations are. We'll, we'll talk about that. What assets should you own during a rising inflationary environment? We have a rising inflationary environment. What assets work best in that situation? Looking back in history. Now, history doesn't necessarily you know, tell us what the future is going to be, but it's a good lesson to learn, something to have in your, your quiver of arrows to shoot at the market. Okay? So with that, we'll talk about that. Um, shipping bottleneck. I'll give you some explanations. We talked about 
the disruption of the supply chain. But I want to specifically talk about why we have a shipping bottleneck here in the United States. Why, why are we dealing with this? The shipping bottleneck is everywhere, but not just here in the United States, but how it affects us and what's going on here. We'll talk about that. Cash versus bonds. Should you be in cash or should you be in bonds? You know, there's been arguments about, you know, whether you should invest your cash in bonds uh, if and, and because you can get more money, more return. Well, let's talk about that. So, market was up today, surprisingly. Okay, wait a minute. The Dow was down one point, okay? But the S&P was down, up 106 points. and the, I mean, the NASDAQ was up 106 points, and the S&P up 13. So, I'm saying the overall market was up. But and that was a far, far a big improvement from the morning. It was down mostly. Gold had a very nice day, up thirty-four dollars sixty cents today. That's about one point nine seven percent, so two percent. Gold was up two percent. Did you see that oil's at eighty-one dollars a barrel? Eighty-one dollars a barrel. Man, you know that affects everybody. It affects you, me, everybody. Who anybody who uses gasoline in their car, it affects you. You know, financially, it's 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 a burden for you that you have to buy the gasoline because you maybe someday you won't have to have to do that. But right now you have to do that to use your vehicles. So we would love to have cheap gasoline, but we don't. It's at eighty-one dollars a barrel. That's not cheap. So that's what happened in the market today. What do you guys want to talk about? My trivia question today concerns the history of the paper money. History of paper money. And that's coming up at the halfway pro- halfway mark of the program. History of paper money. So what do you want to talk about? I'm willing to talk about anything. I could talk this full hour easily about the stock market. But you drive the show. Give me a call. I hope you're telling your friends and family members about us, the Invest Talk. And thanks for your loyalty. I appreciate everybody else who's listening. I know there's a lot of listeners because we see how many downloads we get every month. We know they're out there. There's tons of you, and we appreciate it. The number is 888-99-CHART. Give me a call. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, this is Matt from Minnesota. I got a question regarding big five sporting goods. That's ticker B as in boy, G as in girl, F as in Frank, B as in Victor. Looking to pick this up and put it into a dividend portfolio for the long term. See that it's down about 35% from its 52-week high, and it pays a nice dividend, and that looks pretty secure. Wondering what your thoughts would be for a uh, long-term dividend hold on this one. Thank you. Okay, Big Five Sporting Corp. BGFV is in Victor. BGFV. Headquarters in El Segundo, California, near L.A. Operates 430 athletic apparel and outdoor equipment stores in 11 states. Uh, it makes money. It's made money for a number of years. Uh, it's going to make $4.22 this year, which is a big improvement from last year, $2.33. So, But that's going to ratchet back down to $3.11 next year. 
It's a $24 stock. So even at $3.11, that's a pretty cheap stock, right? I mean, that's well below 10, about what, eight? An eight PE, an eight PE. That's very low. Return equity is very good at 24%. Cash flow is very high at 3.16. And it pays a 4.2% dividend. Well, that's only, that's easily paid on a $24 stock. That's what, 90 cents or so? And they make $3.11 a share. They pay 90 cents a share. Pretty easily done. Sales growth is pretty spectacular recently. Of course, everybody's working out more indoors and not at the gym, so they've had a pretty good run. And that's probably why they think it's going to come down next year because, you know, there's a lot of extra extra buying you know, since COVID started. I kind of like it. I kind of like the stock I, for a dividend play. I, you could hold on to it because if it, it paid that dividend, I, I check the history of the dividend, see if it's pretty consistent. It should be, but I would check the history. And the earnings are pretty solid. The company is really solid. I, I imagine it owns 8%. I, I kind of like it. Mutual funds went from 83 mutual funds holding in 2020 to 219 funds now. But they're only on 35% of the companies owned by the funds. And the funds really drive the price. So I, I, I kind of like it. Even though it had stated around $34 came off of that, it looks like it's found support in this low 20s. So I kind of like the play. I do. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's jump into another caller question from the same number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Bob from North Carolina. I was just wondering at what price point you would get in on AT&T stock. Thank you. Well, it's now $25 a share. Keeps coming down. And, you know, I don't think it's been this low for, I can't tell you how many years. Uh, before 2014, because that's when my data goes back that far right in front of me, and the lowest it's been is $30 a share. Here it is sitting at 25 Why is it sitting at 25 Because, remember, it sold off a big chunk of their company. You know, uh, uh, Time Warner sold that off, which is going to affect their dividend yield. So it's not going to probably be 8.2%. might be 4% or so. Still a very good dividend. I don't know. I, I think I'd buy and hold it and just keep it for the dividend because I think it will go back up. I think it's going to go back up to $30 or more. I mean, it's traded in a range of, what, 28 to 35 or so for a long time, 33. We're moving into a break. On the other side, I will tackle uh, a focus point. So hang on. This is Invest Talk, 888 99 The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. 8899 chart, my focus point today. We're talking about a story. A study has revealed that pandemic has disrupted retirement plans for about 35% of Americans. I don't find that surprising, do you? I think that that should be expected. Why? If you notice that the pandemic changed lots of things, one of the 
fundamental changes we're going through is our workforce and where they work. We already were moving to working from home more and more and more, more of a digital workforce. The pandemic accelerated that tremendously. And we're still dealing with that. That change is, is permanent. Now, how many people are going to return to work? We're looking at a workforce that has a very high quit rate, meaning people are quitting their jobs and looking for other jobs. And I guarantee you, some of those people are quitting their jobs because they don't want to go to the office. They want to stay home. Some of them. Some of the workers are not even going back to work. They don't want to go back to work. COVID has shown that they can survive as long as possible without working. Or else our, our, our workforce, our 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 uh, workforce, of which 63% of the workforce is working before COVID, now only 61. That's 2% difference of our workforce of millions upon millions of workers. So 2% is quite a number of workers. So all that has changed. So retirement planning has changed. Of course it's going to change. And it's going to change further. What I have noticed Remember, I'm an old guy. I've been around a long time. As, as people get older, their idea of I'm going to retire early keeps being pushed back to retire later and later. And this survey bears that out. Generation Z, that most of them think they're going to retire under 60 years old. Millennials, most of them think they're going to retire under, under 60 years old. Generation X, these are older people now. Now they're, most of them think they're going to retire about 64. Baby boomers, mine. Now, those people think they're going to try around 68. So, the younger you are, the more you think you retire early. But as you get older and older, you figure out, okay, you have family, you have raising children, whatever it is. Your retirement age gets pushed back and back and back and back. I don't see how this study tells me anything new. It does not tell anybody anything new, in my opinion. So, yeah. The, the workforce has changed. Their ideas of retirement pretty much the same. Because you, remember, you still have to have a certain amount of money in retirement. That's not changing. You still need it. And people are not very good savers in the United States. They're not. I don't think I don't see that changing. I mean, it could change, but I haven't seen any evidence of it yet. So, yeah, I think you know. Someone doing writing a report, which this person is, about how they, these age groups look at retirement. Yeah, yeah. I bet you if you ask baby boomers 20, 30 years ago, they thought they'd retire not at 68 years old, but earlier. But most baby boomers don't have enough money to retire. Just don't. I think that's a typical American. Anyway. I think that's typical. Let's pivot back to another Invest Talk point, uh, Invest Talk Voice Bank question, if we can. This came hey, earlier. Justin and Steve, this is Nick from Seattle. Calling to get your opinion on some of these commodities plays. You know, I'm seeing. I'll take one for example. Let's just say Vale. You know, they're down nearly 30% since recent all-time highs. Seems like it could be a good entry point here. I think it's pulling back to the 500-week moving average. I really don't follow commodities. I'm looking for, you know, your opinion in this space. Uh, let me know. Thanks. Well, you should follow commodities. Um, we have not been investing in the commodities section as a nation for well over 10 years. Very little investment. We're going to have to catch up. I think we're at the beginning of that catch-up period. Yeah, 
Commodity prices spiked up, commodity stocks spiked up, and now they're giving some of that back. Why would you find that surprising? I find that, okay, opportunity. Vale, V-A-L-E, is a Brazilian company engaged in the mining exploration of minerals in Brazil and five other countries. It's going to make $4.90 this year after making $0.95 last year. Next year, it's going to make three thirteen. Notice, have you noticed that this year, money? All these companies are making a lot of money. That next year, their 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 earnings are going to go down, but still much higher than they were pre pre you know before COVID. So still an elevated price. It's a fourteen dollars stock going to make three dollars thirteen cents. Well, four and a half PE. They're low. Their range is four. On the range of their PE is four to two hundred ninety-six. I think it's a buying opportunity. How can it not be? How can it not be? Right now it says it pays a huge dividend, eighteen point six percent. I can't buy into that. It's not. It's just can't do that. But I do like the company. I do like the space. I think you need to be in commodities. Okay. Best talk is a financial investment program. So obviously we talk about money quite often. But I thought it might be fun to light things up a little bit with a money trivia question, okay, about history, history, the history of our money. So as we go to break, here is my two-part trivia question. In which year did the U.S. Treasury begin printing paper money, and in which year was the $2 bill first printed? As a break, I'll supply the answer, but for now, the phone lines are open. Time to give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Okay, before the question, before the break, I had a trivia question for you. So, in which year did the U.S. Treasury begin printing paper money? Paper money. And in which year was the $2 bill first printed? So, before I cite specific years, let me comment about the $2 bill in circulation. You know, the circulation $2 bill is very, very low. They're rarely seen. I have several, by the way, in my safe. I have several $2 bills because I think they're neat. Very rare. So, why are they low? Why don't, why don't they print more? Well, the government has stated it doesn't like to print $2 bills because people don't like to use them. That may be so. I, I, that's possible. So that's why they don't print them. That is an example of circular logic. No one uses them because no one uses them. So they are not printed, and that means no one can use them. Yet they're still legal tender. Do you have $2 bills? I have them because they're just unusual. No one has them. The first printing of a $2 bill was in 1862, just one year after the U.S. Treasury began printing paper money in 1861. That's when we started printing paper money, 1861. Initially, the $2 bill featured Alexander Hamilton, the first Secretary of Treasury. But in 1869... Eight years later, Hamilton was replaced with Thomas Jefferson, whose portrait still graces the dollar $2 bill. So do you have any uh, Hamilton $2 bills? Hmm. Production was discontinued in 1966 with a government claim of insufficient use. So 1966, no more $2 bills. A decade later, in 1976, twos were revived as part of a bicentennial celebration. Do you remember that? I remember that. And as recent 2013, 45 million addition $2 bills were introduced in the economy. So to put that in perspective, the off-overlooked denomination still makes up a mere 
3% of all U.S. bills in the circulation. I would love to have a Hamilton $2 bill. Remember, the Hamilton was first put on it. He was on that $2 bill from 1862 to 1869, then Thomas Jefferson. I wonder if there's, someone's got to have them. That would be very interesting. I, I think it's very interesting. 888-99-CHARGE, our number, 888-992-4278. Uh, so what assets should you buy if we have a rising inflationary environment? So the question is, are we in a rising inflationary environment? I can tell you we're at elevated inflationary inflation. We are elevated almost twice what is normal. But does it continue to go up? I don't know about that. Uh, but what, what are the sectors in history that worked very well in an inflationary and rising inflationary environment? Utilities, materials, healthcare. This question was asked yesterday. Do you remember yesterday on the show? Utilities, materials, oil, healthcare, emerging markets, not doing very well right now. Communication services, not doing very well right now. Gold, also not doing very well right now, even though I had a big day today, up $34 or 2%. What are some of the worst in a high-rising inflationary environment? Bonds. Bonds, all kinds of bonds are, are the worst in rising inflationary environment. Why? Well, because in a rising inflationary environment, usually the Federal Reserve starts to let interest rates rise. When interest rates rise, bond values go down. So what do you do? What do you do with your cash? What do you do with the money that you have in bonds? you take it out? Should you move it to cash? And that's another talking point I want to talk about before the end of the show, if we have time. Right now, let's go to Mike and Livermore. How you doing, Mike? Very good, Steve. Quick, couple questions. One, you're usually spot on when you give out a little information. And a while ago, you recommended Mesa Airlines, a little small hub. It was 4 or $5, and you said it's going to 9 or 10 And I didn't listen, and it went to 9 or maybe 10 And But now it's back down, I think, to 6 or 7 would you recommend jumping back in, wait a little bit, or forget? And two, should all the dividends take receive cash and stuff, or would you reinvest uh, always if you're not in the market uh, for income, you know, for your retirement? Okay. Um, okay. Does that which, make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, he's talking about well, if you get you're in a dividend paying stocks, do you reinvest the dividends in that dividend paying stocks, or you take the cash? I usually take the cash. Yeah, I usually take the cash because I know I don't necessarily want to buy more of that stock necessarily. I, I want to buy another stock. And once I get uh-huh. fully diversified in the stocks I want, you know, and I think you should hold 15, 20 stocks. We hold about 30, 35, but an average person needs to hold about 15, 20 or more. Once you have all the stocks you should have, then I, I still will let the money gather until I get to an age, then I invest whatever I wanted to. But until you get to an age in which you want to uh, just hold on to blue chip type stocks, you can reinvest in them, but you just got to also rebalance your portfolio. You don't want to be too heavy in any one thing. That's what that means. Mesa Air Group, symbol uh, M-E-S-A, holding company for regional airlines serving 102 cities, we all know about the airlines and their problems. We all know that. They're making money. They even made money during the COVID year, so which hardly any airline companies did. That was pretty darn impressive. 
It's a very tiny company, $274 million. So that's one of the problems you have when a company is so small. The stock is trading at $7.66. It got as low as $2 last year and as high as $9 last year. The year before, the high was 11 The year before that, the high was 16 So it's 7 now. It's going to make $1.09 next year. I think it's probably at a good buy point. And it should go back up to nine ten dollar area. It should. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes back up to eleven dollars. Uh, so yeah, I would consider buying it. I'm not a big airline buyer. It's not something I'll buy. But you know, I think this is cheap enough and a good enough. I think someone might snap this company up. Another bigger airline, buy it for two hundred seventy four million. They own this company that services one hundred two cities. Kind of like that as. Big company. I might want to take that advantage of that. Mike, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. This is Invest Talk. Justin and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us. Now let's play another caller question. Hi, Duncan from New York. Just got a quick question about a strategy of me selling a loser metal stock, AG, that is silver, AG, and kind of using those funds to a energy source, maybe like uh, XLV energy fund just looking to know your thoughts you said that metals aren't doing so well and i don't know if i should have it like long term obviously no rush for me but just want to know your two cents thank you very much have a good day bye well i noticed a lot of oil stocks have already moved up significantly i i don't like trading a stock that hasn't moved that has great value for a stock has has less value but already moved up you're too late to that party, maybe. So be very careful on that oil stocks. A lot of them moved up. This is First Majestic Silver Company. AG is a symbol. It's a $3 billion company. A Canadian company engaged in the mining acquisition of silver properties in Mexico. They've made money for a number of years. They're going to make $0.25 cents a share this year, $0.55 cents a share next year. Sales in the most recent quarter went up 342%. Before that, that was very a big spike. I wonder if... Yeah, in July of 2020, they acquired a silver stream from First Mining for $22 million. That might have made the difference right there. Um, and they have been going down for a while. Uh, they're at $12.21 a share. They got up to uh, $20 was their high in February uh, back a year ago. Then it went down, peaked again in May of last year to $19, and now it's at 12 Personally, it was up today 6%. I would hold on to this stock. I would not sell it. You know, uh, I don't think, you know, the fundamentals support a higher price. It came down to a number where it should hold and go up from, and I just think it's worth more money than this. So I'd be patient. You're going to sell it to 12. I tell it at around $18. You're going to, if you're looking to sell it, I don't like to sell things just because they're down. Never do that. Don't sell things. Don't buy more also just because they're down. You don't make those kind of decisions that way. You look at the fundamentals. You look at the growth rate. You look at the sales. You take a look at the economic conditions we're in and say, okay, should this, be supportive of a higher stock price? And the answer in this one is yes. So I would hold on to it. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it.
Okay, well, you know, we almost on every podcast, I like to talk about KPP Financial a little bit, you know, uh, if I can. You know, um, what what we can offer our clients and what we do. We're located in Irvine, California. That's in Orange County, between L.A. and San Diego, on the coast. Uh, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking, shared success. And how we implement that is we always use, we give you unbiased guidance. But more importantly, we practice what I call parallel investing, meaning I buy the same thing for my clients to do for myself. Justin and I are on the same side of the table as our clients. We like that. We, you know, when we buy something, we buy for ourselves. I'm in all the five of our programs with all my money, uh, and we, you know, I've tried along with my clients. Okay. Now, if you want us, we will be happy to take a look at your portfolio. We'll give you our opinion on it. We'll talk about whether it fits your personality after we talk to you a little bit. Uh, we would like you to take our risk allies questionnaire, which will tell us your risk tolerance, and we'll plug in your portfolio into that same software to determine what it risk tolerance is, and we can tell whether you're matching up with what you say you want to take. You know, if I want to be aggressive, but what if you own non-aggressive assets? I want to be conservative, but what if you own aggressive assets? See, so you got to match up with what you want and where you are in your life. And what lifestyle you want. Those things are important. It really is. Because you'll panic out or panic in at the very wrong time. And then you go, how come I never make money in the stock market? Everybody else does, or I'm just no good at it. No, that it's just that it's just that it takes knowledge, that's all. Anyways, there's no obligation of any kind. None. We don't pressure you. There is no pressure. All we really want to do is help you if we can. We'll help you. We want to help you. Really. So it's up to you. You don't have to have us help you. We won't. But I think it will serve you well. Hello. Okay. Let's go to Jim in Washington State. Jim, what part of Washington State are you in? Um, up north of uh, Seattle, up in Bellingham. Okay. Know it well. I was born in Seattle. So I, 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 I moved out of there when I was five. But I have relatives in Seattle and Portland, lots of them. So, oh, so. Nice. I yeah. know the area pretty well. I go up there at least once a year, at least. Anyways, what's uh, your question? Great. Yeah, we love it up here. Yeah. Um, just uh, kind of looking at uh, the demand for shipping containers and stuff, and um, and I looked at uh, Triton International, TRTN, yes. and I just wanted to uh, ask you about what, what you think about that as far as uh, fundamentals and technicals. I do know that there's like 5 million new containers being built. Millions of them because they need them. Millions of them. Triton International, Sybil, TRTM, Bermuda-based company provides chassis, dry freight, uh, refrigerated, special, and tank containers. Okay, so that, that's what they do. I, I think this is a... I think this is a, a growing space that they're going to need more and more and more of this. And their sales have been increasing. Four quarters ago, sales shrank 3%. Three quarters ago, it grew 2%. Two quarters ago, 8%. Last quarter, the June quarter, it grew 15%. This is sales, 15%. Now, they're coming up with their reporting date. I'm be very interested to see what their sales growth is now. It's a $3.6 billion company. 
making $8.43 this year and a little bit more next year, which is a little different. Most companies are not are going to be making less next year, but not Triton International. They're going to make a little bit more. It's a $53 stock. Well, that's like a six and a half, seven PE ratio. When a five, their five-year range is five to 32, return equity is pretty healthy at 14%, pays a nice dividend at 4.2%. Cash flow is almost $14 a share. I kind of like it. You know, it looks like it found, uh, it topped. You know, the stock topped. Uh, let me go over here and find out what that top number was. It topped at $61.88 last March. Okay? So, now it's 53 You know what I see now? All it did has been basing for some time, months. Basing meaning it's going sideways, building a base. This would be the time you want to pick it up. If you're going to pick up this, if you want to put this, I would do it now. I kind of like it. Triton International. Okay? Just letting you know. Good good pick. TRTN. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, just one, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. I used to beat on that every day. Financial freedom, financial freedom. You need financial freedom, whatever that means to you. So I want to help you get there. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Rob from Tampa, longtime listener, first-time caller. Really appreciate what you guys do. Question about portfolio management. If you have a position or a stock that uh, your position increases over the 5%, at what point do you decide to trim? So if you had a run or if the stock had a run and now you're up to 6%, 7%, do you immediately trim that back down to 5% or less or do you wait for it to try uh, trade sideways or you know, what other criteria do you use to determine whether to trim, including whether you're in short or long-term capital gains, uh, given the length of time you've held it? Uh, appreciate everything you do. Look forward to your answer on the podcast. Uh, I think that's an excellent question, and you hit on a number of issues that you have to think about before you trim. Uh, if I was to give you just some round numbers, I, I generally like to wait till it gets close to 10%, around 10%. Uh, at that point, it's becoming too heavy and it's starting to impact more of my portfolio more than I like it to. But I would consider short-term versus long-term capital gains to see if I have if I have a long-term capital gains or I have long-term capital losses that I may want to offset that with by the end of the year. Uh, short-term versus short-term, you know, I have, to think, you know, I have to think about that. Is it in a retirement account? Then I, have to, I do not have to worry about capital gains if it's in a retirement account. Uh, is it going? Is it shot up? And it was like a few days that it jumped way up uh, for some news that came out. I might take some of that profit off right away, or is it a steady gainer and just gone up and up and up and up? Then I might be a little slower pulling the trigger. 
See, so it's hard to just give you a, a set rules. I wish I wish I could just sound write down all the rules. Do this, 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 and there you go. But it's never that easy. Never, ever, ever that easy. But in general, I don't trim until it gets about 10%. In other words, it doubled or tripled. I usually buy 3% three, three of a portfolio. So around 9%, I've tripled my money, right? If it goes from 3% of my portfolio to 9% of my portfolio, or maybe the rest of my portfolio stank and shrank, and it became 9% of my portfolio because it stayed steady or just went up a little bit. See, it's always, it's never straightforward. It's never straightforward. Never, ever, ever. I wish it was. It's just not. Good question, though. Very good question. Okay, shipping, handling, bottlenecks. How about some explanation? First of all, did you know that 90% of the global trade is shipped? 90%. Did you know 70% of that is in containers? 70%. The U.S. has increasingly relied on outsourcing for years. We have, have we not? Outsourcing everything we make or everything we need. Now, to prove it, in 1985, we... We imported $295 million worth of goods. $295 in 19, $295 million in 1985. That's a long time ago. What do you think it is today? $43 billion. $43 billion. Okay? So what's been the shipping bottleneck? What's been the cause of these problems of the, you know, the, 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 just disaster supply chain issue. One of the things is just-in-time inventory systems that we have been developing for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Just in time to build it. I mentioned this yesterday. That's one of the biggest problems, one of the problems. And another problem, shipping in the past was not a very profitable business. So no one was investing a lot in a lot more shipping it wasn't just that profitable. Remember, containers went from $2,500 to rent a container to $20,000 to rent a container in a year. That's what it is now. So now it's worth the money to build 5 million more containers. That's what it's about. We have invested in railroads. We have invested in roads, bridges, trucks. Oh, never mind. You know what I'm saying. I'm Steve Peasley. This completes another Investile program. Justin Klein, I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get your free downloads free at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you do a download on iTunes, please rate us. We would love a rating. You can take it. And if we do, we'll, we'll put your question on pretty quickly on the show right away. Appreciate that. Justin will be here tomorrow, everybody. I return on Friday. Independent thinking, shared success, this is the best talk. Enjoy your weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis. 
and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.